0: And good evening, everyone. Welcome to the CEO briefing. A very exciting one this time. We had this quarterly, the first of what will be a quarterly Trusted Investor Conference. And very candid, very open, lots was discussed. Uh, I think you're gonna like it a lot. So water really is developing as a new asset. We know that, and there's reasons why. Uh, We're gonna talk tonight about the Biden administration and where that's going with the $2 trillion infrastructure plan. What does that mean for us, for America, et cetera? So it is April 1st. I think we're done with all the April fools today and uh, let's get it on. So uh, safe harbor statements as usual. Um, you know, We try very best to tell you what's gonna happen, but it has not been reviewed by the Securities Exchange Commission. And of course you should always rely on the 10K reports and the 10Q. There is a 10K report due uh, over the next few days. We will be commenting on that after it comes out. But one thing I can tell you is that we did not qualify for the Paycheck Protection Plan PPP second phase because you had to lose money over 2019. And we didn't have a single quarter where we were below 2019. That's all I can say. So we're gonna leave it at that. All right, let's cover some important points here. What about this new $2 trillion dollar infrastructure plan? Will it do the job? Well, it's very good commentary from Barons, and they don't think so. Let's see why that is so. So we need it, we know we need it. Um, and the issue is however, that you know we know and I've been talking about this for a long time, lack of funding of water utilities, deferred upgrades, C grade, this is, we're supposed to be the best country in the world and we have a C grade infrastructure. That's terrible, but that's unfortunately the way it is. And here's a stat, water main break every two minutes and 6 billion gallons of treated water lost each day in the US. That's a lot of water. Um, And of course that's revenue lost and many other things. Of course, you've heard about Flint, Jackson, Compton, California, places like South Bend, um, which have a very toxic water. Now, here's what the point is. The Biden administration wants to focus on replacing all the nation's lead pipes. Why? Because everybody's, you know, top of mind about Flint and there is no safe level of lead in your water. The problem with that is, is that you're going to have to replace everything all the way into the water heaters in homes, because that's how far the lead, is, lead gets to. And it's going to, you know because it's all buried and so forth it could take 20 years to complete i think the better a better plan might be to do it decentralized and just treat the water when it comes into a home but again you know governments love to do big central projects because there's big money in it it's huge look at what happened with the la metro i mean it ran billions over and <laughs> Oh, the the people who made money in in, in and out of government was just a scandal, but it's what to be expected. That's why California is trying to build a um, high-speed rail to nowhere, because of the money, right? So centralized solutions are just not working. Now, in addition, we've got these problems of population growth, climate change, we're not going to argue climate change here. It's clear that we have droughts and storms and so forth happening. And there's just plain old saltwater intrusion from the aquifers being drained in places like South Florida and the Colorado river, which is a huge watershed for the West coast has been dropping now for 21 years, not going to happen, not going to change anytime soon. So that's the issue really there is that the, the Biden administration is trying hard to do something about it, and we applaud that. But trying to deal with toxin levels, we've been running $100 billion behind for decades now, since the 1960s. So it's a lot more than $2 trillion needed. And by the way, the $2 trillion is like highways, energy, social justice, um, you know, a wide variety of things. So water is a, is a fraction of that, and then they want to do it on a central basis, which is a non-starter but it's better than nothing at all. So let's take a look then at more about what's going on with America's water. Very good report from the Guardian. And um, they reported on alarming levels of what's called forever chemicals, which is these polyfluoroalkyl substances called PFAS. And what they are basically is what you have in your Teflon, right? And uh, there's as much as 80 parts per trillion, and that is the, the the maximum is 10 parts. Arsenic, similar problem, up to looks like nine and a half parts per billion. Three parts is appropriate, and you know it's it's uh it has also been linked to cancer as well as lowered IQ in children. Finally, lead. There is no safe level of lead, and everybody's got lead. It's just one of those things. So now. What they're trying to do is to start at least with something that they can tackle like, okay, 10 parts per billion, but even that's a problem. Again, it'd be much better to just deal with the problem on a decentralized basis, home by home, and just give them a whole whole home water system rather than try and fix everything and still have to fix the home with the water heaters. Tap water is no longer a solution is the bottom line. We, have, we use the tap water as a pre-treat, but we've got to treat the tap water. That is where it's at. Remember last week we got into the whole consumer side of water on demand, and we think that's gonna be a huge play. Okay, we just got an article today in the Sun Sentinel, South Florida Sun Sentinel, and um, the county down there, Broward, is shooting treated waste, uh, treated. It's pretty nasty stuff still way, 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 way down and says, you know, it's fine. The problem is of course, these things drift upward and end up in our water system. So Dan Early was called in to comment on that. And um, he commented about ammonia especially, that the ammonia is a problem in drinking water. And um, unfortunately there is litigation now over this. And the problem is again, 20 years to clean up. So again, Why treat the central problem? Just say, it's not good water, remediate it. Here's another problem that uh, one of our staunch investors sent to to me, Adam Collar. And um, this is about a um, coal-fired plant in Georgia, whereas there's been decades and decades of lobbyists. Here's this, uh, uh, Mark Berry was trying to do something about it. And he tried to convince these regulators that, um, that the Georgia Power customers should uh, foot the bill. Well, he really would have been well off telling the story because for decades now, there's been tainting. And, and this really illustrates for me why regulatory relief don't hold your breath because it's always cheaper to buy a lobbyist in Washington than to spend billions. In this case, it's gonna be $7.5 billion to solve the problem. And so you've got to go directly to a, a solution you can handle internally, you know. And and if um, if I, I, I'm all about you know great lobbyists and so forth saving the day, but we've got to do something about this today. In other words, we really need a breakthrough solution. Chris Worth, check up on SEC Regulation CF. Should go well with your investor finance equipment leasing program. That's a very good point. Um, Reg CF was a million dollars. It's now been increased. It's What's great about it is it's very fa- fast approvals, easy to get going and raise the money. We are in talks, Chris, with people who would do um, Reg A, Reg CF, that kind of stuff with us to do exactly that. So thank you for that, that uh, idea. Wouldn't it be cheaper, Justin Curtis says, wouldn't it be cheaper to not add HFSA that it just led in the population? Right. Well, again, you know, i I don't pretend to be an expert on this, um, but what I'm saying is decentralization is our only way forward. Uh, I talked a few you know, I don't know, about twenty briefings ago about Miami-Dade county and how they have this terrible problem of of septic tanks all over the county. And they want to literally spend something like ten billion dollars to put in, sewage lines to all these places. Cause it's very, very, it, Miami-Dade was built up without sewage lines. They just did it on the cheap. Well, don't spend the $8 billion. Just go ahead and let, you know, give some tax rebates for these places to take care of themselves. And they just put in a closed circuit cleanup solution for their water. So you're not going to convince government about that. They just don't think decentralized. Decentralization has got to come from us. And that's the fact. Okay. so. um JRW, greetings just got in, all right. So, let's go ahead and share screen and show you uh, some highlights from the show yesterday. So, what I wanted to do was first of all, start by showing you a new presentation about the business direction. And a lot of this is very preliminary and I'll be looking for your input on a lot of it. So, here we go. Water on demand. And this is, uh, we're playing with the taglines. This one's, this is really making the point that when you make a water on demand customer, you really have them for life as opposed to just selling them a piece of machinery. So what are we talking about here? Well, we know there's a world water crisis. You wouldn't be investing if you didn't think so. You know, we, we have water loss going on. We have really terrible situations worldwide with safe water, sanitation, sewage, etc. And on top of it in the United States, not so great either. We think we're great, we're not. So cities are falling behind. They're supposed to be handling the, uh, the wastewater. There is a problem there. And uh, non-revenue water, which means leakage and other uh, ways that, that utilities lose water revenue is as high as one third. And the problem is only getting worse as we move into the new decade at 105 billion per year of unaddressed losses. Now, there's supposed to be a $2 trillion infrastructure bill coming in the fall. It's by no means clear that water will benefit. And that is because uh, when we think infrastructure, we tend to think of roads, railways, and energy. And there's a lot of uh, social justice that will be done as part of that. So we can't count on municipalities getting better. What does that mean? Well, the federal government has not been helping. They were contributing 63%, and now it's all the way down to 9%. So not a good picture, and it's been dwindling. And water rates are rising very fast, and for in many places like Austin, they are beyond the ability of people to pay out of their normal. And I think this is gonna get worse and worse. Now, businesses know that there's a problem. They are aware of it. These are the companies over a billion dollars in revenues, and three quarters say this water is an increasing priority. Uh, growing business risk and 88% plan to actively manage, but they have no plan in place, 44%. Now these are the big companies that have awareness about sustainability. They often have a sustainability officer. Small companies very, very frequently like, yeah, I would just like to make my payroll this month, please. And so they're even less managing their water use. So there is awareness, but theres as companies get smaller and smaller, there's less of and less of an ability to do something about it. Now, by the way, uh, you know, we, can, we can argue about climate change all we want, but it is turning into a real issue in terms of droughts. Taiwan has had a big, big problem and they're incredibly good at managing it, but they, they're dealing with the fact that it's gonna be perhaps worse and worse. And here's an interesting point, And that is that as the digital economy grows by leaps and bounds, p- few people realize that water is a major, major requirement for data centers, and, um, and that means that it's a threat if you can't get the water. Again, these data centers, this is what's interesting is that we can actually have a green benefit by consuming less energy. The more water is used efficiently, less energy there is. And in turn, we do wonderful things for climate change, for the money and for less stress on water supplies. All right, so the problem we realized, and this was a very intensive period we spent in 2020 figuring out what the heck was going on, and it really comes down to funding. Let's take a look here at our own pipeline. And Dan Early with his modular water systems has got the prefab tech that really, if you look at the right there, you'll see that many, many cases, we are what's called basis of design, which means that they have to use our design, okay? And it's a very large pipeline. And yet it takes months and years. There'll be an interview of Dan Early in a bit and you'll see what, what I mean. So now if capital were not an issue, he estimates that one third would close quickly. So this is a multi eight figure opportunity pipeline that is hostage to funding. Eliminate capital and that's our bright idea, water on demand with the benefits of fast deals, rental usage model means that credit's easy. If I retain a title to the machine, if you don't pay, I take it back. It's not a huge credit problem. Total outsourcing, a lot of people want a turnkey uh, solution and long life for the customer. I still have my, my um, Earthlink address from 1994, right? That, why would I change it? And so they've had an immense life cycle benefit. So it's a big barrier to entry. That's very, very important. Right now, it takes us nine months, 12 months, a year and a half to get a deal. And during that entire period, we are at risk of the other guy taking the girl, right? In other words, somebody swoops in, offers 5% discount and takes the deal. This is very common in water. There's some large companies that I won't mention by name, Veolia, I mean, won't mention by name, and they they rip off uh, projects, right? So, but if you're doing the funding, then they have to come up with funding. And it's a very small percentage of of water companies that can actually fund projects. Now, here's what's interesting. Originally, design and build is what we do now, but now you add the outsourcing fees, the service and supply, and the management fees for the funding. So that gives us much more revenue, as much as double the equipment, according to Dan Early. Of course, it requires a managed services division. In fact, we've been talking to a partner of ours, Permionics in India, that have a very active water as a service program, they're managing about $2 million in projects, we may start by subcontracting to them so that we can get off the ground quickly. But there is software out there and we can quickly move to this model in the United States. Now, uh, there's also a B2C aspect to this, which is how do you take care of consumers like we have been with the pool preserver program, which is expanding, by the way and it's going into commercial pools as well. But that is a good little consumer space opportunity. Many more opportunities with water tankers all over the world, filterless water coolers, and strangely enough, good old bottled water, and uh, there's ways to do that better. And we are in talks. If you were in uh, last week's uh, briefing, you, you, you saw the interview with uh, Mohammed Sadiq, who, would, who is planning to do this on a self-funded basis so that we would not have to burden the main company. Very promising. Okay, now we're creating these subsidiaries and Water On Demand number one, a corporation in Nevada has been created and we have a first investment. I have an investment banker working on this to finalize the investment. And we're looking at going to $10 million and to generate about over a hundred million dollars in rents and investors share in net profits, and there'll be more and more of these. So a series of subsidiaries with agreements that protect the investors. All right. Now, the benefits of these funding companies is that these are all assets that roll up to the parent, meaning us. And it's very important for us to have assets towards our eventual uplisting to the NASDAQ. And this will give us that ability, the assets, leverage, meaning that if there's money in, in the fund, then how much percent of you it, know, can you do equity to debt leverage? If you're sophisticated, you can get a lot done that way. And it's very important that in-house funding can direct business, not just to our Texas operation, but to any water company that is right for the job. So it's very scalable. It's a money for money play that is not attached to the ability of any one water company. Now we have a partner, Philanthro Investors, which is doing a great job. This is their third year in, uh, in the, actually they're like Inc 80 or something like that. And they are doing this, helping us do the same thing in water filling through investing. And their real claim to fame is that they have an international network. They're bringing us a lot of investors and water users from abroad. So that's very helpful. I'm gonna quickly review how this is gonna reorganize. What we've done is we put all operations over into a new site called originclear.tech. That's all the subsidiaries, that's the um, uh, lab, it's the licensing, it's the technology, everything. And then the company itself, these yellow um, sections are the new website sections, is basically gonna have, of course, outsource water treatment for businesses, the consumer water network, water as a career, which is the whole waterpreneur thing. And then certifications, we're gonna certify companies, water equipment and services as meeting our requirements. That's kind of the lay of the land. And then of course, there's financing. So more and more, this is gonna look like a very high level company that turns money into projects, but is not tied to specific companies. And I think that's how we're gonna get the scale that we need. Okay, now long-term, we do think that water and demand will dramatically increase revenue, profits and assets. Contracts can go to other water companies. And eventually we'll get what's called a network effect. Well, what is a network effect? Basically, it's the idea that for every node that you add in a network, you get a doubling of the, it's actually geometrical, a geometrical increase in your connections. So it's a water, it's a two sided network like eBay, for example, or like Uber or Airbnb, where you have water companies and water users forming a two-sided network it's not like a um a phone system where it's a one-sided network of a bunch of phones you have two players and a certain point of critical mass the network becomes a one-stop shop and that's what's very very interesting so uh that's where we're going with this and that could that this is so exciting to me i'm you know (laughs) i'm easily excited but this is really cool all right What are we gonna do next? Obviously, we're gonna continue to build this finance and service activity. Right now, we are pursuing Wall Street funding in addition to these um, high net worth investors. The the existing pipeline will be converted to water on demand where appropriate. For example, a lot of progressive water treatments business is uh, is municipalities that often have their own revenue to, to pay it, but where they need the funding, then we'll do it. The BDC thing will be rolled out. And then eventually with these increased assets, we wanna prepare the company for listing. Hi, Dan, thank you for joining me uh, in the middle of your workday. I appreciate you making the time. So this is to identify in your opportunity forecast, which items might be uh, candidates for design, build, own and operate, whereas a lot of, all the rest would be design and build only. It
1: is a mobile home park customer one, that's one primary factor. The second is that the owner of this facility and working in tandem with their, their local consulting engineer from him allows this guy to do what he does best and that is be a developer and not be a utility owner. So this one this one has actually, this one's been in our pipeline for probably nine months now, okay, down in the Midwest. They are having to replace uh, some dilapidated and deteriorated existing treatment equipment that's been on site functioning for the last 20 some years. Uh, the customer loves. We are that we're right now. We've been selected, and basis of design, and they do like our single point of delivery capability.
0: So, and just as your general uh, impression, what percentage of potential bids bring up this
1: turnkey concept on the on the private sector commercial opportunities that we have? It's every bit. Um, it's greater than fifty percent. It's probably sixty six percent to seventy five percent of the customers ask if we can do that especially on private sector, uh, uh, because the funding models are, it's private money and they have the ability and discretion to engage in different delivery models. So on private sector, private money, privately funded systems, uh, the overwhelming majority of all these opportunities have, they ask that question. So with that in mind, what percentage by, va- by dollar value of these bids is private versus uh, municipal? Private versus public? I would say right now, right now we're probably running two to one private versus public.
0: So two to one. So basically two thirds of all opportunities are private. And of those, let's say uh, another, you know, two thirds of those uh, are interested. And so really we're talking about half of all your business, roughly speaking, is has this opportunity. That's amazing.
1: Overall, uh, uh, first phase or both phases combined over a three year period, it could be 1.5, 1.6. And uh, they've expressed an interest. This customer is very indicative of things that you will see in the market. All right, so this is a little smaller customer. Uh, comes into our, this, this one entered our pipeline probably, I'd say 75 days ago. So we're going through, we're working with a consulting engineer, working with our local rep. All right, so the next one, and this is this is a project that um, has recently entered our pipeline, but it is a very real project. Um, it's real for a number of uh, compelling reasons. Uh, the customer is a craft brewer. Um, they, they produce craft beers and beverages located on the East Coast. Uh, facility's been around, this, oper- this uh, facility and this uh, brewing entity has been around and in operation for probably about a part of a decade. They are located where they do have access to public sewer, but the local public sewer utility does not have the treatment capacity to receive their high-strength industrial wastewater from mm-hmm. the brewing operation. So they have been prohibited from discharging to public sewer, and they have been forced to pump and haul their brewing wastewater for a number of years now. The flows are not super large. Uh, The flows, the average daily flow for this industrial uh, waste stream is about 3,000 gallons per day. But the annual annual pump and haul costs associated with this customer have been from $75,000 per year up to about $100,000 per year the pain threshold is immense. We are working. We were approached by a design-build uh, consultant that was working as an agent, working on behalf of the brewing uh, brewing company. And they, uh, we, it's a long, it's the this DB firm that we're working with is a firm that we've had a long-standing relationship with. Uh, we've delivered equipment to them in a, in the past. They approached us uh, because this is an industrial wastewater waste system. Wanted to know what can we do? Are there any options? So after reviewing uh, the facility and understanding what their needs were, I've re- recommended a, an Avera uh, industrial MBR wastewater treatment system, plug and play. Uh, it would reside, the equipment would deliver and install inside the brewer's uh, warehouse facility. Uh, they have uh, the design build entity that we're working with is very, very keen on the funding and the financing model. Mm. Uh, what they like about it is, is that their, their business model is working co- with the customer on permitting design and, and, and construction management. They also have an operations capability. So what they're missing is they're missing the engineered equipment, which is what we are. So we are contemplating the formation of a design build team. We, they do the engineering and permitting. We design the equipment and build the equipment, deliver the equipment. They manage the construction, they uh, install the equipment, they commission the equipment, but they also engage in a long-term operations contract with the, the end user, uh, having a, an internal funding mechanism as part of the team would at, would probably seal the deal for this one. Because what it means is that they don't have to type, the owner doesn't have to type their own capital. They could use the financing model to prorate the, uh, the annual or uh, the monthly operating costs for whatever period of time. Perfect application for this DBOO model.
0: So this we, we could actually have a network of partners that would do the uh, operations, commissioning and operations work and we would we would be the funders essentially
1: yes correct i've actually um with the with the concept of the dboo model coming into coming into play in recent um in recent weeks and months um i have i actually approached this entity uh last week and expressed a desire to see if we can implement and partner with them on dboo projects they love it they absolutely love it uh, the the ability to bring funding and financing Solves a lot of problems. Their customers, they recognize that this is a delay. This is a hurdle uh, that basically draws out and, and, and makes it really prohibitive to get projects accomplished in a much faster fashion. And what's the value of the equipment deal here, in your opinion? Uh, the equipment package for this customer is probably all in with services and on site commissioning, probably 200,000. Okay, but just staying consistent with these bid amounts
0: apples for apples, what we got here, a bit amount would be the equipment only.
1: Yes. equipment. That would be how only. much yes, in your opinion? Um, equipment only 175,000. Okay. That's a nice project. Very nice. We are design and build. We're built based to design. It
0: and it is a very good candidate for DBO. Oh, it's very nice. Yep. Fascinating. Well, Dan, I really appreciate your time on this. Uh, we've had a nice little look at some of the demand, demand chain out there for, um, funding, and in some cases, doing the operating. But I really like the idea of being able to delegate the operating because that's something we will quickly run out of bandwidth for as we, we fund
1: it. But now somebody's got to go and run it, right? Yeah. And well, the good news is that, that um, for a lot of these existing customers, where they're doing equipment replacements and upgrades... Um uh, 98% of the time there's already an operator involved. And the good news is, is that we would just leverage that existing local operator who's licensed and permitted in that region. Mm-hmm. And we would uh, we would directly contract with them or bring them on as part of our team. So that's the beautiful part about this thing is that we don't have to worry about staffing somebody in-house. We would work with the local, the local capability that's already out there.
0: Well, that is really good news. It, 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 it gives us a very simple model, which is essentially be a renter or a use base, providing these things on a use basis through a funding mechanism that we're building and everything else is kind of there. So we know how to build them and there's partners out there who can maintain and operate them. So this could be, this could be a sweet little strategy.
1: It could be yeah, very well. It's, it's the strategy the industry needs. It really does. This, this makes it work.
0: How many how many players are starting
1: to move into this, or are there barriers to entry? What, what's what's going on? Barrier, the barrier to uh, let me answer the the barrier to entry question first. Uh, barrier to entry is that there are companies out there that are really good at engineering and are good at equipment manufacturing. They don't have the the sophistication to bring the fund the funding or the finance model the banking model capability. That that right there has been the thing that over the last twenty years has been the thing that I see that separates those that want to be and those that are that enter into the industry. There are very few. There are very few of these, mob, these companies out there that operate at the level that we're talking about. Just because you're trying to pull together all these disparate parts and pieces, and the funding is the one that is the hardest to pull together. The engineering is easy, the permitting is easy, the building equipment's easy, building, doing the construction fairly straightforward. It's the funding model, and that is what seals the deal. When you bring that together, that's when it happens. That's when the magic happens. How much effort or focus are you putting to uh, addressing the water needs of cleanliness with the oil companies?
0: That has been, you know, as you know, a near and dear project of mine is they they are, they're problematic because they keep having crashes. And whenever they, whenever they crash, then all their improvements, they just shut things down. No, we're not going to spend a dime.
1: The way you talk in the, keeping it simple the network uh concept it actually could go exponential if we if we just keep focus and not overreach mm-hmm. y'all are doing a great job just keep doing it and keep us informed
0: to, to origin clear and, and yeah you know, all the clubs. but to all the team that is actually always in communication and, and current the day-to-day of this, uh, the vision of all the investors that wants to, to really do something for them. So thank you, guys.
1: I just thought you did a great job in giving us, showing us on the line by line, sort of the scalability. It's small, medium, large, whatever you want. One size fits all. Water flows to seek its own level or its nice. own size of project.
0: Okay, guys. Well, listen, we've taken it long enough. It's been wonderful. I want to see thumbs up if, if you want to see this uh, every 90 days. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right good We're going to do this thing thank you all and uh, i'll be doing the briefing tomorrow uh but some of it will be rehashed i hope you join me anyway thank you and have a good evening Thank you for your patience. Daryl Polston, Catswater Water Technologies, Solar Power Desalination. Well, Daryl, this is exactly it. We're not, we don't have to be technology-based. We have a great technology division. Tar Marchesello is doing a fabulous job. The um, Q1 looks like it really came in great. So no, no, no concerns there, but when we look at scalability, as I work with my team on the funding side to push capital in, we're gonna run out of bandwidth in Texas. So our idea is, hey, I got money. Guess how many people, I was in, a, I remember years ago in the early nineties, I was in a Hollywood and I met with this young lady at an Italian restaurant and she was telling me how horrible and then could not get in the film industry because that's what I was trying to do at the time. and. Uh, <laughs> and I said, well, what if I brought the money? She said, oh, in that case, you're, you're a god. You know, you can have anything you want. I'm like, okay, I get what's, what it's all about. So if we got the funding, then we can bless projects with that funding. And that's why it's so key. Ken Berenger, who, who has been really vital to this process, just put oc.gold/ken in your browser and schedule a consultation or send an email or call us. And as I was saying, good news from Q1. Guys, I really, really appreciate the time you spent with me tonight. It's been a, a great show. I'm so excited about how we have this tight, tight focus on Water On Demand, which is a money for money play. And we know that there's lots of money sloshing around and we're learning how to do it in various ways with these, this real estate, um, with with uh, Wall Street funding. I'm talking actively to Wall Street funders right now. Family offices, <clears throat> there's all kinds of ways we can do this. and Uh, I've brought in an investment banker to consult with me so because I'm not an investment banker. I'm I'm an operator, so (laughs) I know my limits. So The bottom line is, is that we can do this, and having done this with the capital, we put in place processes, roll it out, and we have the ability to handle these problems at the decentralized point of the problem, which I've been pointing out to you is the only way to solve it. It's not going to be solved centrally. Treat all central water as a problem and take care of it at the point of use and that's this, that is our philosophy. I feel like, you know, I've been talking about this since 2016 literally when I started writing articles about it, but now it's becoming real. People are aware of it and we're right in the right place to do it. So thank you all for your support and your attention and we're going to take it off now tonight. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next week on this show. Thank you so much.